in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. We are out of the pandemic phase. COVID isn't over and the pandemic isn't over. The only group on planet Earth they don't care about having COVID is illegal immigrants who they want to release into this country. The chaos on our southern border, it's on purpose, it's deliberate, it's by design. Under this administration, our department has been executing. It's broken, but you broke it. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views for a uh, political trivia Thursday. I've got a good program lined up for you. We're supposed to hear from Mark Walker, who's one of the uh, top three candidates for the U.S. Senate, although he is number three behind uh, Ted Budd and Pat McCory in the polling. That being said, 30% are saying we haven't made up our minds yet. Uh, first of all, though, a uh, rather somber story to start off with. A uh, friend and uh, former colleague here on the station, Trent McGee, who is now the president of the Greenville Chamber of Commerce. Many of you remember Trent from the years he spent with Henry Hinton on the morning show, Talk of the Town. He and three other staff members from the Greenville-Pitt County Chamber of Commerce are recovering from uh, injuries and a pretty serious wreck up on Memorial Drive. It took place up near the Walgreens in the medical district on Memorial Drive in Greenville. Apparently, there was a pickup truck that came across uh, three or four lanes of Memorial Drive, and it sounds like it was some sort of a medical situation with the driver of that pickup truck. But uh, he sideswiped one car and hit the car that Trent and the other three employees from uh, the Chamber of Commerce were in. And uh, Trent, Lauren Phillips, who was the driver, I think Lauren didn't really have any serious injuries, but Kimberly Stone had some very, very serious injuries. And Aline Peacock, I'm not sure. uh, The reports from the Daily Reflector said she was hurt. But uh, it was a really serious injury. They're going to be sore and recovering for a long time. Uh, but keep them in prayer, uh, especially uh, Kim Stone. Apparently, she is uh, really, really uh, had some uh, serious surgeries that she went through when it happened. And I think she's having other surgeries today. So uh, please keep uh, Trent and his staff uh, in your prayers when you think of it. Absolutely. Lots to talk about today. Cliptocracy. Uh, cliptocracy. <laughs> it's, it's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. Granted, granted. Cliptocracy, a noun, a government characterized by rampant greed and corruption. Sounds like the Biden thing. Exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't Joe Biden know that word well? Cliptocracy. We didn't plan that, by the way. A corrupt... And although I, th- I thought of that same thing, I thought, boy, this is, uh, you know, if you looked up cl- kleptocracy in the encyclopedia, you'd probably see Hunter Biden next to the, uh, the definition. A corrupt and dishonest government characterized by greed. Here is President Biden today using the word kleptocracy in a sentence. Cut one. Comprehensive Cut two. package of, uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their take their their ill-begotten gains (laughs) we're going to accommodate them we're going to seize their yachts their luxury homes and other ill-begotten gains of putin's kleptocracy yeah 
kleptocracy and klep the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> but these are bad guys. <laughs> these are bad guys. You know the you know the thing. What do you mean by we're going to accommodate the oligarchs? That's sort of a strange way to it, phrase it. It is. Uh, was that know, supposed to be sarcastic or? You know, I, I have a lot of conspiracy theorists run that runs through my veins, and I, I just can't. You know, it's a fairly difficult word to say. Kleptocracy. Yeah. But with all the problems that Biden has had with his speech in the last six months, especially, would you not think that a speechwriter says, you know, Bingo. Let's, let's come up with. Let's let's break let's break out that thesaurus. See if we can come up with another word. Yeah, kleptocracy. I mean, yeah, it's it's a mouthful. I mean, just I mean, what idiot put that in the speech? What put that on the teleprompter? Yeah, and and that's probably what Biden was thinking when you know he kind of laughed and chuckled a little bit. He said, "Did they actually expect me to read that?" Well, here's the other (laughs) thing too. Now, granted, I mean, we own the air and we make fools of ourselves, but. Often. And we often and we skim. I skim every story that we refer to, but I, I don't memorize it and I don't read it out loud so that I don't make a mistake. And that's pretty obvious. I mean, you know, you're going through a story and you screw up a word or two because you just don't have time. But listen, if I was the president of the United States, I was going on national television. I would make sure I would, especially if I'm Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden might not even realize that he blew it today. I mean, I think that's a very good possibility. Yeah. And, you know, he might be thinking, well, there's no big deal there. But, uh, boy, he uh, the, the uh, Twitter alarm went off big time. And uh, all, all kinds of comments. Uh, Tom Cotton said, this is alarming. American deserves better. American Matters Executive Director Jim Hansen tweeted, uh, the blaze Biden, Biden's brain stops working in the middle of speech was the headline. Tim Young of the Washington Times, Joe Biden struggling to say kleptocracy, which is ironic since his family literally is one. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, and I know the Democrats are going to point to you know they always say, well, everyone has known for years that Joe Biden has a speech impediment or he stutters or whatever. But I, you know, I'm I'm just like you. I've listened to Joe Biden. I mean, basically his entire career. I mean, I followed politics since I was a kid, and Biden. Uh, until recent years, I mean, that was never apparent that he had a speech impediment. I mean, no, but no. he would say some stupid things from time to time. But you know, he was pretty articulate saying some stupid things. Yeah, he, he's he <laughs> lost his filter when they did the uh, brain surgery on them. And, and I'm not being a wise guy. I, again, I've referred to this numerous times. But Joe has had a, a frontal lobotomy, and that that is your filter, and he has lost that filter. Well, well, the facts are, and they don't want to own up to it. But I mean, he has had significant decline since he's been president and and even to compare him at the end of the obama administration right. there's just yeah. no comparison yeah. yeah he's 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 fading quickly yeah uh during that same speech during the infamous kleptocracy, kleptocracy. speech yes see yeah. even i've got a little bit of joe biden in me. um during that speech he also decided to brag about how wonderful the economy was doing now in these remarks uh these were several hours after the headlines came out when economists thought the gdp was going to have a modest increase of one percent it went down by 1.4 percent listen to the contrast this is what's the guy's name that's on cnbc that they named the uh, you know came up with the tea party name uh 
Uh, you know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I do. Uh, uh, anyway, he, he, this is him on CNBC, this cut three, uh, Clark, um, announcing the, the drop in the GDP and then Joe Biden just a couple of hours later. GDP, first look, first quarter, is a nasty minus 1.4. Minus 1.4. We haven't had a minus sign since that nasty second quarter, COVID-related, in 2020. I think what you're seeing is enormous growth in the country that was affected by everything from COVID and the COVID blockages that we occurred along the way. Speaking of blockages... Well, you know, the other thing about that, uh, a minus 1.4% growth in GDP. And you're also talking about at a time where inflation has yeah. been runaway inflation. So that, that the real number factored in for the inflation adjusted would be worse than that. You've got to go, you've got to go back to Jimmy Carter yeah. to, to get the economy this bad. Uh, let me give you a specific example. I won't name the product, won't name the location, but I, I went to purchase something this week that I purchased the exact same article um, four years ago. It has to do with my vehicle. And a friend of mine purchased the exact same article uh, a year and a half ago. Four years ago and a year and a half ago, they were basically the same price. This week, I checked two locations. The product is double. Wow. Double. Yeah. Wow. And and we're not talking about a small product. Yeah. We're talking about from 1800 to 4000 Wow. Uh, lots to talk about. Uh, we're going to take a break here in a minute because we're expecting Mark Walker to call in. But I did want to hit this story, and maybe uh, you can talk about it later in the program. Um, the the uh, we, We've had Senator uh, Heiss on before. Um, he is drawing uh, the spotlight on the redistricting leader. He, he was... Uh, um, Senator Heiss was talking about the fact that uh, a guy by the name of Sam Wong, who was one of the map masters when redrawing the maps here in North Carolina, the New Jersey Globe reports that Sam Wang, leader of the Princeton Gerrymandering Project, is under investigation in New Jersey. Staff allege Wang was manipulating data to match his personal agenda. He's also accused of mistreating people who work for him. A news release from Senator Ralph Heiss, who we've had on this program before, highlights the bombshell report from the New Jersey uh, from the New Jersey uh, publication. Heiss helped lead North Carolina's election map-making process in 21 and 22. Wang worked as an assistant to the court-appointed special masters who reviewed legislative and congressional election maps drawn by Heiss and his colleagues. By the way, let me say, I am not shocked by this at all. I am not shocked by this at all. In fact, there is another story out in the uh, Epic Times talking about the fact that um, this there is a nonprofit out there called People for Free Speech, which is basically uh, the, the group that was leading the charge to impeach Donald Trump. They actually filed papers to in, impeach Donald Trump the day after Donald Trump was inaugurated. And now they're leading the charge to disqualify certain people running for Congress, including uh, Green down in Georgia and Madison Cawthorn here in this. this. So, I mean, this doesn't surprise me. You, you expect this. Anybody that's a conservative that has followed these political stories, look at this and say, yeah, okay, suspicion's confirmed. 
Quote, from the beginning of the remedial redistricting process, Dr. Wang's involvement was problematic, yet no one took our concerns seriously, High said. The allegations that he skewed data in favor of Democrats during the New Jersey redistricting process should absolutely call into question his involvement in North Carolina. After all, the court accepted a map drawn by the special master's team. The New Jersey Globe quoted a source who accused Wang of manipulating data while working on the state's redistricting plans. He fudged the numbers to get his way, according to the Globe report cited in Heiss's release. He had an agenda. He was good at hiding it when he had to, but it was clear Sam Wang wanted Democrats to win, and he was willing to cheat to make that happen. Yep. Well, you know, we haven't talked about it this week, I don't think, but, you know, in New York, the New York Supreme Court just ruled that the New York maps uh, that were heavily favored um, Democrat were thrown out as being unconstitutional. Yeah, yeah. So I just wonder, do you know if he had anything to do I with that? I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. Hey, we got to take a break. Stay with us when we come back. Mark Walker, running for the U.S. Senate, will be with us. We'll- This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in 22 minutes past the top of the hour. So we are in the midst of the uh, political season. You know, it seems like we're in the political season more than we're not in the political season. (laughs) But uh, today's the first day of early voting, right? It is today. And so we've got three weeks, less than three weeks, until we have the uh, primary on May the 17th. Mark Walker served 16 years as a pastor. In 2015, he followed into a new calling, served three terms in the U.S. Congress. He was in the House from 2015 to 2021. He is now running to replace Richard Burr in the U.S. Senate. He, along with Pat McCory and Ted Budd, poll in the top three amongst a rather crowded Republican uh, primary. Mark is on the phone with us right now. Mark, welcome back into News and Views. Tom, thanks. Uh, Glad to be with you guys today. So, Mark, uh, again, I just mentioned today's the first day of early voting in North Carolina. And the last time I looked, there were still about 30 percent of the voters who had not yet made up their minds as to who they were going to vote for in this race. So with 20 days to go, how are you feeling? Well, uh, all of our numbers that we're seeing still uh, affirm or confirm what you're saying there. People are literally going into these three weeks, uh, which is amazing to me. Uh, would you have 30 to 34 percent of people still fluid, still looking to make up their mind, which I think among the top three kind of makes it an interesting race going into it. Uh, it so we're excited. We're, we're continuing to travel the, the uh, travel the state. We're down here in Charlotte to, even as we speak and uh, almost going door to door, meeting to meeting. But we're getting it done. Earlier this u- uh, week, you and uh, former Governor Pat McCrory participated in, I guess, what was the final debate in this primary race. You've made it pretty clear you're, well, I'll, I'll say, very disappointed that Ted Budd has not decided to uh, jump into any of these debates in the primary race. Talk to us about that. Well, I think it's, I think it's ultimately a, it's a disqualifier. We looked back and could not find a single instant on the Republican side, didn't do all the research on the Democrat side, but on the GOP side, when there was an open Senate seat that a candidate refused to debate. It, this is the this is a job interview, hmm. and if you are afraid to go out and engage with Republicans, how in the world are you going to take on what we believe is the prospective candidate, uh, 
or perceived candidate would be Sherry Beasley, and then Chuck Schumer would probably, what we're hearing, the most amount of money that's ever been spent in a U.S. Senate race. Uh, if you can't go out and articulate, I would even back up and say, why would you want to go out? If you're telling people that you want to be the next U.S. Senator, why wouldn't you go talk about what you believe and how you defend those positions? And I think ultimately it's the difference between having the mentality to earn your vote as opposed to feeling entitled to your vote. Right. Congressman Walker, this is Benny. Um, as Tom mentioned, you served three years in Congress. And, uh, you know, if someone that serves three years in Congress, they've, they've got a voting record. And, and for the most part, we know where you stand on a lot of issues. And we've got a lot of important issues today, obviously. But one is important to me. I'm, I'm a practicing CPA in my day job. And for, for the last 12 years, I have tried to help clients as well as myself figure out how in the heck to pay for health insurance. And, you know, when, when the Republicans controlled, you know, all the branches of government, uh, repealing and replacing Obamacare just could not be done. So my question to you is, if that can't be done, what can be done to help Americans out with their health insurance costs? Well, let me, let me back up a little bit here. Uh, you are actually talking to the person who led the repeal of Obamacare, uh, both the, the full package and the mandates. Uh, in the entire United States House. I remember uh, uh, calling Vice President Pence soon after they were elected. I, was, I just had become the, the youngest member, the only member in congressional history to be elected to lar- chairman of the largest caucus in Congress. So I immediately, within a month or two, uh, reached out to Vice President Pence and said, Mr. Vice President, if you'll co-host the meetings with me, I'll get all the caucus groups, all the caucus chairs, the, the, the committees of jurisdiction chairmen, about 40 in the room, and we literally laid it out over about a month, and it was a it was uh, well. I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm pretty transparent. It was Mark Meadows who actually blocked it after we were able to get it done. I remember getting a call. I was literally getting my hair cut by my cousin back here in the Triumph part of North Carolina, and they said, "Call you know how they say, please hold for the president of the United States." So it's not like you're not going to hold. Uh, but but he reached out to me, and he was complimentary, but he was also upset uh, at a guy that eventually became his chief of staff. So there are still opportunities for Republicans to actually do what they promised the people they would do, but you have to have the courage and gumption. And to the heart of your question, yes. Uh, like every other cost that we're seeing right now, it is incredibly high. And I think one of the ways that you can you can really do something about it is give the power, let patients have the choice to be able to do what Barack Obama, President Obama said, where you can choose your doctor, you can choose your plan. That did not happen, and this is all about, in my opinion, another area, another arena where government eventually wants to take full control. Mark, let me ask you a question. Uh, if, let's, let's assume that um, you, you prevail in the primary and you prevail in the general, and let's assume, and I, I think the second uh, assumption is, is probably more a probability that the Republicans take the House and the Senate, you know, just today, we heard um, Secretary uh, Homeland Secur- Security Secretary Mayorkas, I don't know if you heard this, but Jim Jordan was questioning him about 42 illegal immigrants that have crossed the border that are on the terror watch list. And Mayorkas would not respond to a question, you know, are, are these people still in the country and are they out somewhere in the country? Mayorkas would not answer this question. 
My question to you is, on, under those assumptions that you're in the Senate and that Republicans control the House and the Senate, what would be your plan to basically uh, re, uh, you know, address the apparent malfeasance, I'll even say criminal malfeasance, of this administration. I'm sorry, the, the malfeasance of not knowing the answer to that simple question by Jim Jordan is beyond the pale. Yeah, yeah, and, and my friend Chip Roy uh, from, from, from Austin, Texas, uh, down in the area of the Rio Grande Valley, he followed up and really drilled something home. I, I think of all the leading cabinet people, I think Mayorkas would be the first in line to be impeached because of the and you use the terminology, the criminal behavior, even if you want to say humanitarian, because of the three candidates, no one has more experience in this area. I was actually a ranking member on intelligence and counterterrorism for our Homeland Security Subcommittee. I've been to the border. I've talked to the agents. I've seen what's happened. Here's what bothers me most, Tom, Denny, is that this administration has access. They are privy to the same intelligence that I have seen. And what happens to these children of these migrant families, because the drug cartels control the entire southern border, there is no government entity here. So when you look at what happens, the, the trafficking, the graphicness that I won't even get in today, yet as an administration, you're still willing to give the green light, knowing what happened to these children. I think it's an atrocity, and I think people need to be held accountable, and I'm grateful that we have some workhorses still in Congress that are willing to hold look, when, my, my first two years, last two years of Barack Obama administration, it was me, Trey Gowdy, Ron DeSantis, Mick Mulvaney, Jim Jordan. We were able to force 23 resignations in the Obama administration because here's what happened. Same thing right now. It does no good to turn these folks over to the Department of Justice or the Attorney General because just like Eric Holder, Merrick Garland won't do anything. So what you have to do is you have to subpoena them, drag them in there in the witness stand, and let all of America see how derelict in their duties they actually are. Yeah. Do you? Th- do you? Th- I mean, are, are so often when you have a, an administration goes out and they leave a wake of controversy behind them. So often in the past, we've seen Republicans say, "Well, you know what? Let's not go and rehash that, and we're wasting taxpayers' time and money." Do you think that the Republicans will say, express what you've just expressed and say, you know, we're going to hold you accountable? That's the responsible thing to do. Will the Republicans do that? That is the million-dollar question because you have to have 218 to make it stick. So when, when, when you look at the numbers here, how much above that 218 the Republicans uh, acquire – because you always have a few that once they get there and the rubber hits the road and, and the adversity comes in or they're threatened with this committee or that committee of not being able to serve on it, that's when you see the true measure. I'm the last member in Congress to get a balanced budget amendment to the floor. 41 Republicans out of the 237 or 38 in attendance that day voted against it. So, wow. so there's mm-hmm. a lot of talk, to your point. Can you deliver when it's crunch time? And I'm hoping... As I've traveled this state 70,000 miles now, there are more people engaging than I've ever seen. And I hope that folks will hold these folks accountable of those people that are saying, look, send me to D.C. and I'll go fight. I'm blessed that I have a record of doing so. That's why I'm the highest rated conservative to ever serve in the top four leadership positions in the U.S. House. 
We're talking to Mark Walker, who's a candidate for the United States Senate. Benny's got another question for you, Mark. Congressman Walker, um, what, what do you think? Um, well, let's, I'll just ask you, if elected, uh, who would you support for the Republican leadership in the Senate? That's a great question, and it ought to be a defining question for us who, who people vote. I am on record saying that we need new leadership. Mr. Budd and Mr. McCroy will not say that. They'll say that's a slippery slope, or uh, Pat McCroy said he's done a good job. Mr. Budd has said, well, it's too early to tell. I will tell you right now, because one night on the House floor, I literally called a special order, and I named it Get Moving Mitch, because it's very rare that you have the administration in both houses to be able to get something done. We had more than 100 pieces of legislation sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. That's why I felt like I needed to do something a little bit uh, off the books a little bit just to get their attention. I had other members of Congress come in and talk about these issues. You, when you have the majority, you have to move and act quick. And I understand this is the deliberate body, but we need new leadership, or whether it's Rick Scott or somebody else. I think it's time. I'm on record saying I'm not ashamed to say it, and I'll continue to hold that line. You are one of the top three in the polling and yet, at the same time, uh, we're looking at the poll numbers, and uh, you are number three of the three. And as I mentioned at the beginning, though, and you acknowledge that as well, is that the numbers are coming in, and about a third of the primary voters have not made their decision yet. So uh, talk, to the, talk to our listeners. Talk to those 30% that haven't made up their mind, but also talk to those who have said, well, I really like Mark Walker. But is it the best use of my vote to support him in the primary? I've heard that narrative. And, Benny, I'm a pretty transparent guy. Yes, everything that we've seen have us in third place. I'm not going to pretend that it's not. We have seen it where it's closing the gap a a great deal, depending on which internal numbers that we're reading. But it's a false narrative to say, well, let me go with somebody – uh, that I feel like is a little bit more conservative than Pat. I hear that all the time. Uh, we ask people to do what's best for North Carolina. Do what's in your heart. For, for people of faith, I was a pastor for 16 years, uh, and not to be superficial about this, pray about this decision. This is crucial. Right. That's not the superficial. That's not here, superficial, brother. <laughs> well, I, I, well, I don't I don't look at it. But, but, but for people, the big difference is, is that I chose not to take a single dollar of D.C. dark money. Mr. Bud has had $14 million. The, the question, a common sense question is, is this, is when you get there, who owns that voting card? Uh, the, people don't give you or spend $14 million because they like your smile. They do it because they have access to your vote. And that, to me, that's a, that's a huge difference. And I saw it play out literally on the farm bill when this same super PAC called Mr. Bud and told him to vote against it. They called me too as well. He had to vote against it. Ron DeSantis, President Trump, and I supported it. Mark Walker, candidate for the United States Senate. Congressman, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Website, walker4the4nc.com. We look forward to uh, talking to you again. Talk, uh, listen, Thank you so much. If, if you prevail, we, we want to have you on the day after the primary, all right? Uh, hey, we'll make that deal right now. How about that? <laughs> All right. Thank you, Thank Mark. You. Thank Appreciate you so much. the call. Thanks for joining Thanks. us. Take care. Take hey, care. Uh, let's lighten things up and uh, play a little political trivia, shall we?
The number to call, 561-TALK, 561-8255. Political trivia when we get back. Welcome back. As Tom said, it's Political Trivia Thursday on April 28th here, and our category today is Presidential Honors. And if you want to try your chance at Political Trivia, 252-561-TALK, 252-561-8255. And the winner will get a free oil change from Dave Davis, East Carolina Chrysler Dodge and Jeep, or Washington Chrysler Dodge and Jeep, a gift certificate from Fit for Life, a $20 gift card from Mucho Bueno, a $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden, and Ironwood Golf gift certificates. And the category, as we said, is presidential honors. And remember, if anyone in your immediate family or you have won in the last 60 days, you got to let 60 days pass before you can play again. And our first question is, and we got a caller from Greenville, Mitch. Mitch, are you there? I'm here. All right. Uh, question today, when it comes to honoring our presidents, Andrew Jackson comes in first place when it comes to one particular honor. What is that honor? One particular honor. Um, all I can think of is Trail of Tears, but that's not really too honorable. Um, no, that's not very honorable, but that is as a thought of Andrew Jackson. Sorry, Mitch. Uh, uh, we'll go to our next a- caller. Call, call back again. Try again. All right. Next caller from Greenville, Margaret. Margaret, are you there? Yes. The que- the question again is, when it comes to honoring our presidents, Andrew Jackson comes in first place when it comes to one particular honor. What is that honor? What was the honor? And the other caller said... I don't remember oh, the, the, what. Okay, I, I remember what he said. <laughs> um, Just think of an honor. Just think of an honor. You know, most people would think that George Washington would have been number one for this honor, him being the first president and all. Hmm. Three seconds, Margaret. Three, two, one. Sorry. Try again. Call in and try again when you come up with an answer. 252-561-8255. And uh, no callers yet, but if we you want in, 252-561-8255, 561-TALK. When it comes to honoring our presence, Andrew Jackson comes in first place when it comes to this particular honor. What? And we have Ron from New Bern. Hey, I'm going to say uh, War Hero. War Hero. No, that is not it, but that is a really good guess because most presidents, especially early on, served in, during wartime, but that's a good call. Uh, if you come up with another answer, Ron, call back. Uh, 252-561-8255, 252-561-TALK. When it comes to honoring our presidents, Andrew Jackson comes in first place when it comes to one particular honor. 
Who we got, Clark? Still on hold. So, so if you get a chance to get to a phone, uh, see if you can get this. And I think our first hint, hint number one, was most people would guess that George Washington would be number one for this honor. And we have Jimmy from – Jimmy, where are you from? Uh, Greenville, North Carolina. From Greenville. Did you hear the question? Uh, yes, I did. I'm going to just take a stab at it and say first president placed on a piece of paper currency. No, that's that's a good guess, though, but that's not what we're looking for. Try, uh, try again, Jimmy, and call back and see if, see if you can think of it. Uh, let's, get, let's do a second hint. Uh, the first hint was most people would guess George Washington would have been number one for this honor. Our second hint is North Carolina participates in this honor, honoring presidents. So we got a caller in. Uh, is that... Andrew? No, 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 no. Cindy, hang on. All right, Cindy. Cindy, are you there? Yeah. Yes? Yes? D- did you hear the question? Um, yes, about Andrew Jackson? Yes. Mm-hmm. Was he honored on the $20 bill? No, we just had that. You might not have heard that. We just had that um, Okay. Had that answer. Call in, try again. Uh, 252-561-8255. As you say, Greg? Ray, Ray from, hey Ray, this is Benny. Who's who? Where are you from? Uh, Broad Creek. Broad Creek. Ray from Broad Creek. Did you hear the question? Uh, I did hear the question. I'm not sure all the answers that were given, but my guess would be the paper currency with the highest circulation. That is a good one, and that's been used a couple of times, but that is not it. Um, but that's a really good one. Um, call if you get another one. Call in. Try again. David. Yes. David, where are you from, David? From Edenton. David from Edenton. Did you hear the question? Yes. You want to take a stab at it? Yeah, I'm guessing that he probably has the most towns named after him. Bingo. You got it. You got it, David. When it comes to honoring our presidents, Andrew Jackson comes in first place. When it comes to one particular honor, and that honor, there are more cities and towns named after President Jackson than any other president. There are Jackson, Jacksonvilles, and even a small town of Old Hickory, Tennessee. So we got a winner. Good, good job, Dave. And uh, that's for political trivia today. Thank you for playing, and we'll be right back in just a few minutes. A collection of question marks. There's a lot of questions. Why? How? No logic. No reason. No explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare. We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the what's, and the where's. Neighborhood by neighborhood. Literally knocking on doors. This is your worst nightmare. The nightmare. It would be a nightmare. Worst nightmare. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Explain to us. Because this. This. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back on Political Trivia thursday and we had a winner david roth from edenton on our political trivia question congratulations and it's not david lee roth i don't think but <laughs> but that was that was kind of a tough one everybody was thinking the uh, most most uh, currency in circulation but uh, a lot of cities and towns and counties named after andrew jackson um just uh, a couple of days ago, there was an op-ed in the in Fox News by Dr. Ben Carson. Most of you know Dr. Ben Carson, uh, 
world-famous surgeon, um, also ran for president uh, in the primary against Donald Trump and was uh, Donald Trump's uh, HUD secretary during his administration. He wrote an op-ed on what equity has wrought, talking about the Biden administration policies of equity. And he says, just over a year ago, I wrote about the dangers of the left seemingly shift the vernacular from equality to equity. Instead of pursuing Dr. Martin Luther King's idea of judging people by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin, the Biden administration committed to a different path. Equity's worldview, as I see it, starts with the proposition that the white majority is guilty of bigotry and oppression and that all differential outcomes between groups are solely the result of that bigotry and oppression. Equity proponents therefore argue that retributive actions against the majority are necessary to correct those wrongs. Well, I don't agree with that, and neither does Dr. Carson. You know, prime example, uh, Joe Biden said first and foremost when he was nomination, uh, making a nomination for the Supreme Court that he would nominate a person of color and a woman of color before anything else. Okay, not the best person, not the best person for the job of the most qualified person, but only based the qualification based in his mind was based on race and sex. Well, that's not saying that the justice was not qualified, but, you know, that should not be the number one qualifier. um, And it should be based on experience, knowledge of the law and a lot of other things. Well, uh, Dr. Carson goes on to talk about the Biden administration not stopping there, even during the COVID relief distribution policies that he came up with that was recently struck down in court. The Biden administration uh, wanted to do policies awarding farmers and restaurant owners relief funds only if they were determined to be socially disadvantaged. How did the Biden administration define socially disadvantaged? Well, basically, if you were not white, it said it gave special uh, special conditions only if you were black or African-American or American Indian or Alaskan Native or Hispanic or Latino. So, you know, these policies contradict um, what the Supreme Court says in affirmative actions rulings for, for decades. And these policies, Dr., you know, Dr. Carson goes on to talk about that, hey, some of these policies have continued to divide America it continues to make people, you know, look at their fellow man not based on the content of the character, but of the color of their skin. You know, just uh, f- a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, the man in New York City with the subway uh, shooting of all the innocent passengers on the subway, you know, he had numerous videos and social media posts decrying America as a racist nation. And, um, you know, when you continue to have an administration and one in a particular party that continues to push the narrative that one race is continually to oppress the other, what are you going to expect? Dr. Carson says we as a society need to adopt these, need not to adopt these divisive ideas. It is up to us, the American people, to choose the path of love and reconciliation rather than distribution. You know, Dr. Carson, um, People in America desperately need people like Dr. Ben Carson to speak up. And the Democrat Party and the media intentionally trying to divide America and advance an agenda based on power of control uh, and dividing people against each other. That is not what we need today in this country. And there's many Republicans that are no different 
simply because they'll use this material as red meat to their lines, so to speak, to fire up their base. It's time for good people in America to stand up and get involved and including holding corporate and institutional America accountable to not let this occur and not divide people. And it's becoming a political issue and has been a, become a hot political issue really since the last election when the Democrat Party realized that if they didn't turn the, the black American vote around from the way it was trending, they would never win an election again. So that was a great op-ed if you get a chance to look at it um, on Fox News. As we end today, let's get a little, uh, little bit lighter story. Uh, I, I call this from our Don't Try This at Home file. Uh, out of WITN a couple of days ago, rescuers say a woman falls headfirst into a vault toilet trying to retrieve her cell phone. Firefighters say a woman was lucky not to be overcome by toxic gases after falling to a vault toilet while trying to get her cell phone. Apparently, this woman in Washington State dropped her cell phone down one of these compost toilets and was trying to retrieve it with the dog leash. And she couldn't do that, so then she tried to use the dog leash to go down the toilet, and she fell in the toilet. And uh, the rescue crews from the fire department had to rescue her and uh, clean her up and uh, put a hazmat suit on her and send her on her way. And that's out of our don't try that at home uh, stories. And I I don't say don't try that anywhere. Uh, I don't think there's any cell phone out there worth not just uh, going going to get a new one. So, uh, but there's all sorts of stories out there that sometimes kind of cracks me up a little bit. Hey, thanks for joining us today on this Thursday edition of News and Views. Tom and I will be back tomorrow and look forward to uh, talking a little bit of news and a lot of views. See you tomorrow, folks. All right, all right, all right.